0: On Raising Rare, we are bringing you the stories of parents learning how to raise a child with a rare disease. Our co-hosts, Sanath Kamar Ramesh and Brittany Ratke, parents of rare disease kiddos who have very different situations. Sanath's son, Raghav, has an ultra-rare disorder known as Setagadian-type metaphysial dysplasia, or SSMD. Brittany's daughter, Everly, has been diagnosed with Set-D5 a mutation that carries with it the potential for a range of complications and even other diagnoses. My name is Kevin Fryer. After 30 years doing research and development at Pfizer, I started Salem Oaks to help patients and caregivers understand the world of biopharmaceutical R&D. Our goal on Raising Rare is to help and lift up our listeners by sharing the unfolding stories of these two families we also feature the stories of other rare disease families, clinicians, researchers, and industry leaders in the rare disease community. If you'd like to follow these parents' stories, please subscribe to Raising Rare on your favorite podcast platform. Vic is a, an old colleague of mine. We were at Pfizer together for a little while, and we crossed paths, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. I wanted to let you guys know, Brittany is not here again. Um, she's still struggling uh, to to understand what's going on with Evie and taking some time off, well-deserved time. Uh, she'll be back in a future episode. So Vic, can you tell us about yourself, your family, and including especially your daughter Mira.
1: Yeah, no, happy to. So uh, Kevin and Sanat, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Um, Professionally, I'm a business technologist uh, with an engineering background who spent 30 years in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, Prior to going on my own, um, I worked at Pfizer for 15 years, where I worked with the best of the best in the industry, um, aka Kevin, (laughs) and uh, um, and, you know, and, and I really learned the skills uh, that allow me to do what I'm doing today. Um, I work with startups to build their digital strategies, digital footprint, and I'm very excited to share that earlier this year, I launched my very own startup called Miracare. And uh, we're on a mission to reduce the stress of caregiving and improve the lives of care recipients. And we'll, I know we'll be talking more about that later. And as far as my family, um, we are a family of four. Uh, my lovely wife and two loving kids, uh, Lily and Mira. You know, my older daughter has uh, cerebral palsy, which is a motor disorder. Uh, Mira's CP is a bit involved, so she depends on care. We and our wonderful caregivers, uh, who I consider to be family, provide.
2: That's amazing. Um, Thank you for joining our show today. I'm really excited to have you as well. Uh, when Raghav got diagnosed, uh, before Raghav got diagnosed, cerebral palsy was one of the diagnoses that was thrown in the air. Uh, we didn't obviously know much about what it meant, but eventually we, we got our very specific diagnosis um, with a mutation, a gene called GPX4. Um, so I'm curious um, to learn more about how um, the cerebral palsy affects Mira and and especially how you and your family have changed um, what you do to to accommodate all of that.
1: Mira's uh, cerebral palsy is fairly severe um, she's non-verbal she's non amulatory and she's totally dependent on her caregivers now I will say that though she is non-verbal she's very expressive and um, you know, we also use some technology to help communicate with her. Now, as far as like, you know, when I start thinking about how does CP affect the rest of our family, you know, uh, Mira's care is 24 seven. So uh, essentially what we have done is that we have built, you know, our our life around really her needs, right? And, um, you know, I would say caregiving for an extended period of time is very hard. It is extremely extremely stressful. And so, you know, one of the things we do at home is that we openly talk about this, right? So, you know, um, this way, you know, when there are some challenges, when we have something that isn't quite working the way it should, you know, we have acknowledged it, we have talked about it, and we work through it, right? So sometimes it is that eight or a pound gorilla in the room, and you have to be able to talk about things like that, you know. So um, I'll give you an example how uh, how it affects our family, right? Um, You know, recently, my younger daughter and I went on vacation. We were out for 10 days, right? It's not your typical family vacation. Normally, we we would have all the family members traveling. But because Mira does not do well on extended trips, we have changed the way we do trips in our family. You know, it's things like that, right? So with Mira, we do things that are more local, and in the end, you know, it reduces some of the stress that we used to face when we were going together as a family and then really kind of scrambling because we're trying to take care of her, take care of our younger daughter. And really, no one's really having a good time, so we we've modified the way we do things around, around. And that's just one example of how we've adapted to support her.
0: You said you use technology to communicate with her. What do
1: you use? Well, uh, she has a communication device, and uh, we use a communication device to um, be able to navigate through the device itself and have, you know, simple things, yes and no. But sometimes that in itself can be fairly cumbersome. So uh, we go back to the old-fashioned way of, you know, we'll ask a question, and uh, we'll just extend a hand, yes or no. And then it takes a little time sometimes for her to respond, but she responds. So... You know, it's a combination of old school and new school technology, Kevin.
2: That's amazing. We explored so many uh, communication technologies for Raghav. Um, it, uh, it, it, it. The, the challenge with him was he was not able to express, communicate his interests in a reliable fashion. Um, there would be times where he would say yes. Uh, there would be times he wouldn't, uh, and you know. When he doesn't respond, does it mean it's a no or it's a I'm not able to respond at the moment response, right? So um, that's the that's the reason we've sort of gone back to what we were doing um, with sign languages and some words. So that's that's really helping. So it's encouraging to know Mira is able to respond to your yes and no's. Uh, and even with old school techniques, right, they are incredibly powerful when it comes to uh, giving kids the, the, the option to communicate, right? Yes, it's old school, but it can help them communicate. And that's all that really matters.
1: You know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting you say that, uh, Sanat, and you know, it's through that trial and error that we, we find the right way and the most optimal way. And the work that works, the, the way it works best for your child, uh, for you, and um, you know we were always so stressed in trying to say, hey, what's that technology that we can leverage that'll really kind of be that magic bullet, right? Um, and then in the end, you know, the good old fashion of having extending your hand and asking the question, and but also learning to be patient because of the motoric challenges that Mira has. You know, something that would take us a two or three seconds to respond, we have to sometimes wait for a minute or even two minutes. But we have to give her that time to be able to kind of the formulation of the answer is there in the, in her head. Now it's getting all the muscles aligned to be able to say, okay, you know, I'm moving something, right? So um, that's something we kind of, we, we work with our, some of our caregivers, uh, you know, who and family members who, you know, are not used to that, right? Our friends as well, that you just have to be more patient. And I think that's one thing being um, a parent of a special need needs child teaches you is the importance of being patient. Um, I don't know if that's been your experience as well.
2: And that everything, yeah, being patient, and that everything wouldn't go the way you expect it to. (laughs) You go on a vacation, you end up in the hospital.
0: (laughs) So let me ask both of you, does that patience sort of seep out into other parts of your life as well? Or does it get focused on the child?
1: Uh, that's a very good question, Kevin. And um, I think what what's happened, I, I'll speak personally, and, and, and it's not, please look, look to get your thoughts as well. It, 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 it changes who you are. You know, um, I would say being a caregiver, uh, having a child with special needs, it's a very humbling experience. It changes your the way you look at life, how you interact with others. And I think one thing that it has taught me is to definitely be, to be more inclusive to think of others before myself. Not that I needed to, I, I think I would always like that, but it's kind of just reinforces that, that the world is, you know, you're not alone. You you need the world with you to be to be part of that. And lots of patience. And I don't know if you can add, that would be wonderful, Sanam,
2: to that. That's very true. It fundamentally changes who you are and what you do. Um, the, you, you get more patience for certain things and, and uh, less patience for certain other things, uh, and that that dial changes quite a bit. I also noticed the other side of it is um, you're also impatient a lot more um, when it comes to things that do that, that does matter, right? So you're not waiting at the do- doctor's. Uh, Awesome. like waiting at the emergency care for like an hour makes you a lot more impatient because you know, you're know you just worried your son, your son or daughter is gonna get sick. Um, and that is going to impact their life in a substantially different way than others, right? Uh, that then translates to uh, being impatient at work when you know things have to get done. Uh, but on the flip side, also having patience to know, I can be impatient all day long, but I need to be patient to get the stuff done. Right. So it's, um, it's a, it's a very weird mix. I would say,
1: you know, if I can just add to that, but right, I would say, you know, um, it's an impatient. It also allows you to see through the fog, right? Uh, one thing we've learned over the years is that, you know, what's noise and what's real. So, and I think what happens is when you're able to see through that, so now that that's where the impatient comes in, when you can just see through the fog and you see what the problem is, and it's taking a lot longer than it should, then certainly, uh, you know it elevates that impatience and, and and rightfully so
2: absolutely i wanted to ask you about the technology again a little bit um have you guys explored the pod book so it's 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 similar it's a low, low tech not a device it's basically a book with a bunch of pictures printed on it uh and you can go um with you know uh, a, a a six by three um uh, matrix of pictures or you can go with like a two by two matrix which just has four options or even a one by one which just has two options in it uh but it's a low-tech device but the idea is that the book once you print them you don't change the structure so kids eventually learn the the motor patterns and so let's say you keep flipping your pages to get to um the answer that or the question that you want to ask mira would learn the motor pattern uh, or learn the pattern that you're actually flipping the book and form her motor pattern as you are doing that. So hopefully, A, she has more consistency on knowing what questions you're going to ask, so she's not thrown aback. And B, she has time to prepare her answers while you're doing that. Uh, and apparently this has uh, worked very well for a lot of kids. Um, especially if you don't have vision impairments, uh, that works very well, because she, she's able to uh, uh, look at what you're what you're showing her, right. So give it a shot. I mean, if you if you want resources, I can uh, send you some but you know, if you just search for pod book online, there's a bunch of YouTube videos, you can make them yourself. It's pretty easy. Yeah,
1: no, thank you for that. Now uh, And that's what it is, right through these conversations, we learn so much. And hopefully, you know, the discussion we're having today will help others in the community as well.
0: So it's really clear that you guys are very experienced caregivers now. You didn't sign up for it. You had to adjust to it. And Vic, you're actually working on a project focused on helping caregivers. Maybe you can introduce us to that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. I, I mentioned in my intro, um, Kevin, that you know, um, beginning of the year, we launched a company called MiraCare, and um, I'll I'll um, I'll give you some context, right? So, um, I mentioned, right, that being a caregiver definitely humbles you. It is very heavy. It's emotionally, psychologically, physically, it's very taxing, right? And even in a world where you know we're very lucky to have some phenomenal resources. Even then it's very hard. So um, the idea behind mirror care started with the question: you know, what if, what if we could reduce the stress of caregiving by 10, 20, or even 30%? What would that mean for the caregiver? Um, as well as what if we could give a population like Mira, I call it um, a wellness voice. This is a population that's either nonverbal and/or cognitively impaired. We, you know, what would that mean to to us? It would mean everything, you know. Um, so, really, we launched Mirror Care to solve this problem. So we're still early, you know, in, in the process, uh, um, ready to really start doing uh, an MVP. Um, and hopefully by end of the year, the platform will be uh, ready. And um, we have lined up a couple of organizations that see the need and are willing to pilot it. So I'm really excited about it, Kevin.
0: So for our non-technical people, what's an MVP?
1: Oh, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Minimal viable product. So these are the features that we really need in order to, you know, um, to launch it and and really validate uh, the benefits of the product itself. So that's where the journey starts.
0: So it's an early prototype, a very early prototype. Uh,
1: Well, I would say it's beyond that because it'll be commercially ready with the features that um, really our community has told us that we need. But, you know, it's one of those things where you start and where you end um, very often are very different places. So I'm I'm fully expecting the platform to evolve significantly over the next 18 to 24 months. Um, But really the goal being, you know, how do you reduce the stress of caregiving? and give a population that's either non-verbal or cognitive, cognitively impaired I call it a wellness voice you know and to me I will have succeeded if I can uh, if our platform is able to say is mirror green yellow or red today wouldn't that be wonderful
2: I would love that um, I would um, I I don't know Kevin if I told you this I have binder uh, full of trackers so I have different trackers that I use for Raghav uh, that I fill out every day. Now I've gotten recently gotten um, sla- started slacking on the tracking, but uh, I have a lot of sheets that I use for tracking different things, and it's basically an Excel template that I download, print, and keep filling it out. Uh, and one of the columns in the tracker is, you know, how like a summary, right? What is an overall status? Is is it is it good, bad, or neutral, right? That's the kind of summary that you're talking about green, yellow, or red. And um, that would be awesome to know what my son's day looked like at some point in the past, and why, so I can start predicting patterns. Um, to give you a more specific example, we've had, Raghav has been going through this 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 challenge where he would just like randomly start crying through the day, um, and that would last for several days, and then he would get cranky, and then he would get really sleepy, And then the cycle would repeat Um, and we didn't know that it was a cycle to begin with we felt like they were random occurrences Uh, we didn't know what they were correlating with Uh, they were generally correlating with sleep disturbances Um, we didn't know what intervention changed significantly um, the the cycle right did it did it attenuate the cycle did it extend the cycle Uh, or did it stop the cycle um and so as, as, as we started tracking, first, we got the awareness that there is a cycle at the first place, which was very interesting. And second, we knew that a whole bunch of changes we were trying to make were useless. Right. So, you know, sure, we did the changes anyway, but they were not really changing the the quality of life because the, the cycle was really affecting his quality of life. But then there was a particular medication that we figured out after about eight months um, that substantially changed him um, and the the cycle was substantially attenuated it is still happening to this day uh, but it is happening in a manner that is not emotionally draining depressing frustrating right it is annoying uh, we're losing sleep but that's very different compared to what it used to be before right and that 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 is a difference that it actually made so you know being able to 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 know what the status of your child would be it would be amazing
1: yeah it's not you know what what you just described is really the what i would describe is the value our value proposition right it's uh and kudos to you and your wife for being so diligent in tracking and finding it right and you know uh, and and then being being able to at least identify the problem and then take some actions to support that right and it you know um well, I'll give you an example of ours, right? Mira, her, uh, she doesn't sleep that well. And it was through a lot of trial and error that we figured out what those variables were that really helped improve that sleep, right? It took us years, honestly, to figure that out, right? And, uh, you know, the, the 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 lack of sleep that many of us caregivers have to deal with um, is the, a lot of the stressors, right? And then living our life as well, right? So, and so, wouldn't it be wonderful that, you know, based on all this asynchronous data, information, you know, structured data, unstructured data that we'll be collecting, and behind the scenes there, there is the, uh, the engines, the AI, the generative AI that can put it all together and look for those patterns and make those suggestions, right? And, it, you know, if you could shave days, weeks, months off something that you've learned the hard way, you know, that to me is what we're trying to do. So kudos
2: to you guys that's amazing. I mean, I think you're definitely on the on the right market. I'd be a customer.
0: <laughs> I I I knew you were going to like this stuff. And I think that <clears throat> using the sleep example, there's so many variables that mess up sleep, and our brains just aren't good at looking at multiple patterns at once, where what you're bringing to it is a way to say here's what what's happening, here's the data being collected and and it does peel those things apart and strip them out and say you know, here's how they interact. Um, you know, maybe something's not a problem if you do something else. You know, hit one of the other variables to compensate. So this is this is really interesting. How going from binders to you know something that that people can collect that data, their own data, um, their own experiences. And I love the red, yellow, green. Um, the reason I started Salem Oaks. Literally, it was a Parkinson's patient telling people at Pfizer, listen, Parkinson's patients are all different. You you can't measure one thing. But if you ask us if we're on or we're off, we'll tell you. And on or off would have been the most reliable data we could have collected in our clinical trials, and we never did because it's so subjective. But it would have been reliable. And I think that that's what you might be able to prove here um, over time and collection of data across many different diseases is, yeah, that that sort of global impression um, is an important factor to collect and understand.
1: Yeah, Kevin. And as, as I start speaking with different stakeholders, especially in rare diseases, uh, I'm learning about this, right, the value of a platform, a technology like this can bring to the community. Um, because it, there is that lack of data, the lack of way structured way of collecting data. And, you know, it's not what you have done, you're not the only one there. There are countless families, you know, who collect this data binders through the years, you know, and the the challenge there is that it, when it's, something is done, um, when you're taking notes and records, you know, um, how do you find it when you need it, right? Um, and, and that's a problem hopefully we'll try to solve as well. And, you know, having that information at your fingertips At the point of need point of use you know kevin that's that's what knowledge management is about right and being able to access it and being able to actually act on it in a meaningful way
2: yeah i was um very close to putting up a project on upwork to take all of my binder papers scan them code them and and have an analyst go and like look for patterns in this because at some point it got like this is too complicated. I can I can generate simplified patterns, and I'm only looking for big, large scale changes because that's the that's the best I could do manually flipping through pages. But you know, if someone was to actually look at the data and analyze them, they could probably find needles in the haystack that would give us clues. Uh, I'm not even looking for right now, uh, so I'm I'm glad you're you're building that um, that knowledge management system.
0: I was actually telling Vic the other day about a a family whose son has Barth Syndrome. He's now 40 years old, and the Barth Syndrome Foundation is is starting a registry, building a registry, and they're asking parents to go back and put in the medical records historically. And I, this mom raised her hand, she said, I've got 40 years of records, how am I supposed to do that? And something like Upworks or some other, you know, just going to uh, the local university and finding a grad student that needs a project or an undergrad who, who needs some money, you know. Could you please code this for me?
1: And look, if you v- Vic is fixing it, all others... of that now. Well, <laughs> 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 yes. And um, that's how yeah. we think about things, right? Look, you know, in the end, it's really helping our community this is what this, is, this project is about. And, you know, I, I just think about, you know, we still, you know, in the lack of having more robust technologies, tools, uh, rely on how things have been done for a long time. And, you know, I think it's about time that we start looking at how do we leverage technology to help our community. You know, and when I think about, you know, uh, Sonata, you know, um, one of the things that frustrates me as a special needs parent is when it comes to, to technology, um, in our community, it's always special needs. It's five to 10 years behind. And when it does become available, it's very expensive, you know, and, and I've questioned that often, you know, why is that the case, right? And um, hopefully we'll, we'll come up with, this, with these solutions and others are working on similar things as well to democratize this, all all of this, and, you know, really make it fair, accessible, and current.
2: Yeah, I've battled with that question a lot. Um, for example, we got a communication device for Raghav. Um, it's a it's a neat little watch kind of device that, that senses your movements and triggers a click on the computer. Uh, it pairs with an iPad, which I already had. But when I uh, went to buy the device, uh, they said they would send with a windows computer and i was like no i don't need one because i have an ipad i'm never going to use your windows computer because i just need the apps on my ipad Uh, but they were like no you know insurance would only pay if it was bundled together (laughs) and so what you know potentially would be maybe a thousand five hundred two thousand dollars uh ended up fifteen thousand dollars um with with all of the all of the fat layered on uh, because they said they were going to bundle a Windows computer and not just any Windows computer, a tablet that's portable, that has, you know, all the hardening so that when the kids drop, it doesn't break. Um, I can assure everybody that the tablet is very safe and secure in my garage. <laughs> never touched it. I didn't even take it out of the box because I didn't need it. Right? And that's, that's the kind of problems that this industry is, is, is facing. Uh, and I, it kind of goes straight back into who is going to pay for this technology. Um, it, it, it's. I don't know if it's a, if it's a, if it's just a pattern we have set in the United States, or if it's a pattern across the across the, across the world. Paying for any products related to healthcare is not done by the patient. Um, if it's an over-the-counter vitamin C supplement, sure you can buy it, uh, but anything beyond that, anything that has a significant Value associated with it is either paid by insurance companies or paid by patient foundations, um, umbrella organizations, and so on. And and patients are just handed it handed down that product. Um, and I I think it it is easier to target these intermediaries for payment because a business model, right? You it's a B two B model, but the power really comes when you directly go to patients if you can. Um, if you can directly get patients to pay for it, they would not pay for it. <laughs> because as you know, as caregivers, we are paying for so many different things that I don't want just another sub- subscription. Um, half the time I feel like my Netflix subscription is is just for my son because I barely use Netflix. Um, and that's how that's how price sensitive I feel. Like. I'm like, can I cancel a Netflix subscription because I'm not using it? And um, I think if you directly go to consumers, if consumers can exercise their their power as a caregiver and give feedback uh, to influence this e- ecosystem overall, I think we will catch up on technology. But you yeah, know, yeah. No, that's going to take another 10, 15 years.
1: I, I and I, you know, what you're seeing today in the, in the innovations that are happening in, in healthcare, uh, Sanat, is, is very much what you're describing, you know, this whole um, changing of the model, right? The way the what the model we have today is just not sustainable it's cost prohibitive, it's very expensive, where we as a consumer of the healthcare have so little to say. So there are companies that recognize this and are working on technologies to kind of change and shift that model. But, you know, it's like the QE2, right? Something like, especially when it comes to healthcare and, and Kevin, you know, we, you and I have the our pharma background, you know, some of these shifts that happen, they don't happen overnight, it takes a lot of time. But at least the first part is to recognize, yes, we have a problem. And then, you know, uh, our capitalist way will figure solutions and I think that's happening and I look forward to the day when you can decouple that de- you know that device with that laptop and you can just buy it directly.
2: So I'm curious um, as you're starting to build your app, um, who which communities are you targeting? are you starting with the cerebral policy community?
1: Yeah you know um, so not that's a very good question, right so you know, we spent the last six months really doing a lot of customer discovery work just to kind of cast this wide net to, to really try to figure out like, you know, hey, what problems are we trying to solve? Um, uh, the use of a platform like Miracare is fairly broad, but um, you know, you can't boil the ocean. So uh, I'm starting to now, you know, do a little more, uh, re- being a re- little more reductive um, and most likely our focus will be on the cerebral, cerebral palsy community because it's a community I'm most familiar with, I know. Um, however, having said that, I see the need is such massive that um, that we're open to, you know, working with other organizations that have specific needs where we can help. Um, but definitely I think being condition or disease-specific is where I envision our platform going. And then building those particular, you know, Um, knowledge domains in that space because i think that's where it will have the biggest uh, benefit for different particular communities whether it's a disease or it's a condition
2: yeah that makes sense starting with the community you know the most allows you to focus on the right problem sets you can definitely very easily disregard the, the ones that don't make sense because you can you know what you want what you don't want and uh I think you also might have the benefit of the network uh, that you've built over time with other folks in the cerebral policy community too. Um
1: yeah. But you and I think of some of these diseases though they're so related like you, you were talking about your son as well, right? There there we have a lot more in common than in difference. So um uh, I think having something where you know we we start off with a more narrow focus but then I can, can quickly pivot to others. To me, is the benefit of this right, and if, if I can help, you know, your son and others like him, you know, why would we say no to that? You know, so yeah, yes to all, and being and, inclusive. And
0: just to to push back on the disease specific, I don't think caregiving is as disease specific or condition specific as it is for patients. Um, for caregivers, this the same things come up. You guys were just talking about having to pay too much because you don't pay for it. You pay someone to pay for it. Um, or bundling things that don't really need to be bundled. That has nothing to do with GPX-4 or cerebral palsy or cystic fibrosis. It's it's one of the headaches that comes with this. And I think that community um, can really benefit from, from what you're trying to build here.
1: Well said, Kevin. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think you, you answered the $64,000 question, you know, um on, on, when I, when people do ask me that question and I, and I tried to answer in a way that, you know, um, that seems genuine. Right. And I, and I think, you know, uh, caregivers face the same challenges. You are a hundred percent, right. A lot of us don't get enough sleep, <laughs> You know, there are other responsibilities that we have, the stressors of that, the unknown, right? You know, like you were saying, Sanad, you could be on vacation, there's an ER visit that happens. The unpredictability of caregiving is, um, is, is you know, um, is very, very stressful. I, I don't know how else to put it, right? And, and if we can have a, a, these processes, systems, technologies, you know, and there are new sensors that are coming to the market now every day, right to be able to predict something or give us a a 15 minute warning or something like that what is that worth a lot i would say
2: that's amazing one of the challenges or or, or feedback that i repeatedly hear from the caregiving community and even i just mentioned this a few minutes ago is technology is great but here is yet another technology that we as a caregiver have to adopt and that increases our burden not only cost but also time um that we spend on it so how do we how do you solve that problem i'm curious to learn more
1: yeah yeah no i I, you know i'm very well aware of that right the last thing you want to introduce is another tool in the toolkit that becomes a bolt on 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 um solution right and you're actually you know asking people to do more so you know um, a platform like Miracare, you know um it has to deliver in terms of value two to three X of the time year that you're putting in, you know, so, um, uh, I, am very cognizant of that. Um, so now that, you know, the last thing we want is something that's a bolt on. So it has to work in the flow of the daily of the, of the day, integrate very well. And, you know, I would say we will be a, a small fish in a big pond. And what I mean by that is you have to be able to play very well with the big players. You know the players like epic for example the ability to pull data in they're able to push information out to me that 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 is a value proposition here where you know if you can get those reminders those insights the you know something that you're trying to figure out not the obvious but really the outliers but those outliers that potentially can have a big impact you know we can solve something like that or give a certain clue based on certain patterns because the variables are so many right you have your home variables, health variables, people variables uh, and, you know, environmental variables. Right. And, you know, um, you know, in the end for our, our daughter's sleep, it was an environment, it was a humidity and temperature that really impacted her sleep, but it took us a lot of time to figure that out. Right. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very cognizant of that and the importance of trying to do something where it brings the value where, Yes, there's time and effort required to maintain systems like this, but on the on the flip side, when you do it, you are seeing the value when you're communicating out, right? How many things like, so now do we keep in our head all right, as caregivers, right? And, you know, and when you're in that point, when you're seeing the doctor or the nurse, tell me about what happened three months ago, and now you're trying to use recall. Sometimes it works for me and often it doesn't. And now, um, you know, I, I may have missed some information that, you know, could have been just data or could have been something very valuable, right? So I think, you know, um, my wife and I were chatting. She said, you know, just, uh, you know, where is she today? How does she manage information? How do we care? A lot of it's on a, on a phone, little scribbles that we write uh, and we rely on our memory, right? And it's very inefficient and, and often ineffective. So I hope I've answered that question, but that's it's, it's front and center that, the last thing i wanted to introduce to caregivers is another something i have to do but that it doesn't give that value
2: back yeah that makes a lot of sense uh, and there's many ways to give incentivized caregivers to adopt a platform um, the, the most common routes that i have seen at least in my spheres have been um around you know please you know fill out the survey uh, which will help drug developers get to treatments faster and that's a data collection uh, natural history registry style uh, problems, but even then, um, complying with that is going to take uh, someone to really, really push hard on it. So I think that's where the, that's where your community comes in, right? So hopefully your foundation um, would uh, would help you get to that critical mass where more as more people comply and use your product, uh, they see the value out of it. They say they tell their friends, who would then start using it. Um, because in this community, if, if someone on Facebook says this solution works, then everyone else would start at least giving it a shot. Sure.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's all about credibility and that trust that you have. You know, the organization that has expressed interest in piloting this for us, it's, a, it's based on a relationship I have with them. You know, and, um, you know, uh, I certainly would not, to whether I have a, it's a new relationship or existing one. You know, um, we deal with, we work with the facts, right? Is this something first of all that will help you? What is the needs of the community, right? And if based on the needs, is a platform or technology like this, um, does it make sense? Is it a good fit? And if it's a good fit, then we have a conversation on that, right? Um, and then it's really about helping our our our, our community members.
0: So is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like our listeners to hear?
1: Oh wow um, uh, I think on, the, on, the, on just caregiving right I think um, I, would, I would say caregiving is a, is the a hardest hardest yet most invisible work we do you know and Kevin, you know um, the time I was at Pfizer, you know when we introduced ourselves, right I, I don't recall ever saying that, hey, you know, um, I'm a caregiver. Though, as soon as I left work, that's what I did pretty much, right? So I, I think, um, I mean, a suggestion I would have for caregivers, right, really would be along the lines of, you know, open, open about caregiving. Talk to about caregiving, the challenges, the stresses, also the rewards of caregiving. I'm not going to say it's, yes, it has that, the, uh, the hard part, but you know what? I'll tell you, it is so rewarding as well. Um, you know, when I look at my daughter and we sit together, we're, you know, we're, we're, I'm looking in her eyes and we're, you know, we're communicating non-verbally. It is such a rewarding feeling, you know? So I, I think I would say, you know, just open about caregiving with, uh, with family and friends. Um, you're not alone. Definitely not alone. There are many people who are willing to listen, are willing to help if they just know more about what your needs are. I mean, that's some, some thoughts here. Uh, Sonata, I don't know if you can add to that as well.
2: That's perfect. I think I would encourage more and more people to, to do that. Um, I'd made a deliberate choice to introduce myself. When I introduce myself, I would start by saying I'm a father, um, regardless of where I go. Um, even, in, even, in, uh, uh, even in like email co- uh, intros, uh, I would say I'm a rare disease dad. Uh, and then say everything that I'm doing so um, that's a deliberate choice so people know I'm a human before I'm a I'm, I'm, I'm a professional
1: that's so well said uh, it, it took me a very long time so not to get to that point I'm so glad you're doing that
0: I I think that is a pearl of wisdom that we introduce ourselves as our work but we need to Mention the most important work first. You know who we really are, and when you said that about never introducing yourself at Pfizer, I was the guy who has always come up with you like icebreakers and things for for people. I never thought of, you know, t- you know, tell us what you do the moment you leave work. Where does your mind go? And unfortunately, many people would have said, "I just keep working on work." But um, <laughs> I have a friend who I saw just, you know, randomly at a store somewhere. And he said, yeah, I'm thinking about retiring, but I don't know if I can stop the gerbil in my head that just keeps running.
1: Yeah. Um, and Kevin, you know, that's okay. You know, um, and uh, if we don't look that, that's one thing I've learned in life, right? Look, we all think differently. We work differently. And the important thing is to accept, is acceptance, right? And, um, you know, um, trying to change someone um it's very hard, right? We are all set in our ways. So a lot, often it's more like, how do I adopt or how, and, and support them differently then?
0: Well, I want to thank you, Vic, for spending time both on our show, but also trying to meet the needs of caregivers, figure out what those are and, and come up with some solutions for them. So thank you very much. And I hope that our listeners take away, you know, from this, some ideas for for how they can take on similar ventures of, you know, taking care of those caregivers and meeting needs.
1: Oh, thank you, Kevin and Sanat, so thank you for having me here today. I really have truly enjoyed our conversation. And um, I hope to continue our dialogue online and offline.
0: Raising Rare is produced by Salem Oaks, empowering patients and caregivers to shape the future of medicine. CureGPX4.org is dedicated to finding a cure for SSMD. You can donate to CureGPX4.org on the Raising Rare podcast page or at CureGPX4.org. The Set D5 community is currently getting organized. We will let you know where you can donate soon. You can continue to follow Raghav and Everly's stories next time on Raising Rare.